Hey, ACL Nation, it's Michelle Thompson here with Around the ACL, joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we are going to dive into the open number five in this week's episode and talk about open number six. So lots of fun stuff to dive into. But um, Trey, you were there, right? You were there at the open. So what can you tell us about how it was there in, uh, oh, geez, where were we? Oh, Asheville. yeah, North Carolina. We're in, we're in <laughs> Asheville. What day is yeah. it? Where am I? <laughs> it's like weird. We're actually back in our offices now, not on the balcony of a hotel trying to do, yeah. this, uh, do this episode. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the good news. Um, but yeah, no, Asheville was, uh, was, was really cool. Um, it was, it was a good opportunity to kind of see, uh, the first event of 2022, right? So, um, a lot of, a ton of stories there. Um, I like the Asheville, uh, vibe the, the funniest story that has to come out of, out of the weekend, I think is that, um, they didn't at the venue sell any, uh, light beer or any, I like heard. it was only craft beer. Oh, and then crap. they did have truly, they did have truly seltzers, but they sold out of them by 11 a.m. on Saturday. So the only thing your, they had. Know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that they had was uh, craft beer. So guys like Matt Guy were not amused with the with the craft beer only. So I thought that was that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, at least uh, it was cool just to be there um, and finally finally kind of fully passing the reins off to, to Wally and K9 units. So he'll be doing the rest of the opens. We gave him some fancy equipment. He's got instant replay now. So um, it's cool to kind of see him uh, developing um, his skill set there to, to now be doing the rest of the opens. It'll be, it'll be really cool. Yeah. And I find it interesting, the craft beer thing, you can't drink craft beer all day long. Like you can drink a light beer all day long. So I mean, right. we really need to be thinking about what who we're attending to at these events. <laughs> now they did have they did have liquor there. So I mean, what people just ended up doing is switching to that, which has its own oh. pros and cons. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, it's 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 a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, right? It is. <laughs> so, it is big time. There is a there is a, an art to drinking all day, and uh, yes. part of it is what you have to choose from. Let's be honest. Uh, okay, that's cool. Did you get to watch any of it at home, Anthony, this weekend? Oh yeah, I watched a bunch. I'm with Matt Guy though. I'm a I'm a basic beer guy, you know, the most watered down it could be because it's a marathon. <laughs> I struggle with the craft stuff too. It's just like ugh, about four or five of those, I'm just like full. You know, I'm like, yeah, that is so funny. Bitter. I pegged you, Anthony, I pegged you as a craft beer guy. I don't know why. I kind of pegged yeah. you as like a guy that was liking the hops and talking about all the different beer, you know, all this and that. But that's that surprises me a little bit. Bush light, good to go. Actually, you know what? I pegged you as the guy that brews his own beer. That's what oh, I pegged you as. I oh, pegged man. you as the guy that's got like, I walk into your basement and you got like all the different wiring with all the different thermometers <laughs> and you're like, you know, you're, you're regulating temperature and automatic, oh, auto, automated heaters. Like that's absolutely <laughs> what I pegged you as. No, I'm a basic guy. I grew up. I grew up poor. I grew up. Whatever you can afford is what you buy. And uh, yeah, Bush Light, uh, Bud Light, anything light. I'm good all day. I'm good all day. There you go. Um, I am the bougie one when it comes to beer. I'm sure that's not really a surprise, though. That is um, not surprising at all. <laughs> so let's talk about what happened this weekend. So for level one singles, we had Cheyenne Renner take the win there with Matt Guy. <laughs> Poor Matt Guy. Matt Guy in second. 
Uh, third, we had Jimmy Humans and Noah Almanza. For doubles, Trey Birchfield and Jacob Gore took the win. Matt Guy, Brett Guy second, and Jimmy Humans and Tyler Cobb took third. Women's singles, Cheyenne Renner, followed by Megan Maupin. Senior singles, Chucky Love, followed by Eric Ryder. And then for the advanced blind draw, Jamie Graham and Mason Morgado took first. Austin Schlobaum and Mike Stewart took second. So, so many huge things happening in this Open. So, Trey, I'll turn to you first. Kind of what are your thoughts about all these different winners and how this went? Well, first, Anthony, I think we have to give a round of applause to Michelle for her, yeah. her hot take. Thank her you. Hot Thank take. you. Nailed it. Take her it. hot take. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Gilbert and Josh Thielen finished top five. They finished fifth. So you hit it on the money. Hit it on the money. I know you were jumping for joy when you saw that. So yep. uh, <laughs> I told them. I, I messaged them and said, I, I took you in the hot take. Don't disappoint me. And they're like, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, I thought, um, uh, you know, overall, some, some great storylines. Um, and I know we're going to dive into each division just off the top. You know, Cheyenne Renner, the first ever female to win the highest level of singles at a national or open event. I actually tweeted that out, but I put shootout too. And then I realized women's singles is a separate event. So that didn't even make any sense. So I made an error there. But in a national or a shootout, Cameron Belvin had previously won an advanced singles but that's also when we had pro singles. So it wasn't the highest tier if you consider pro being above advanced. Um, so that's the closest the female has come. Obviously, Cheyenne Renner at the World Championships coming in second place, just losing to Trey Birchfield. So this, for me, was it was a historic day um, for, for Cornhole. It was a, a glass ceiling shattering moment um, for Cheyenne Renner. And it, it was cool to see her on the live feed, someone that you, you could tell that she felt that moment, which was which was really special. Um, in, in doubles, on the double side, we had um, uh, Trey Birchfield, right? Uh, uh, who, he's someone on Twitter called him the Godfather. Like, what is what is up with <laughs> Trey Birchfield? Is he like? Uh, is he just? Someone said in the comments he needs to open a, a boys' school and uh, just just absolutely teach teach Cornell at a young age because. Apparently, you put Trey Birchfield with a 12-year-old, he can't be beaten. So second time he's won an open event with someone under 13 years old, which is just just special. Um, and then, you know, even on, um, you know, I get to give a shout-out, even on the on the senior side, my old man finishing second place. It was cool to see him. He got to play on the main stage, and he played really well, but Chucky Love was just unbelievable. Um, that was cool to see. Megan Maupin, you know, another second place finish. It kind of feels like her time's coming. But um, in all, so many little different aspects of it, uh, big picture. It just felt like um, it, it, it's kind of defining our year in a way when I think big picture because it's it's shaping um, the idea that um, – and I think the theme of this year is, is may come to be, based on what I saw here, is um, – Changing the mold, changing the thought, changing the uh, way we do things, something different, giving us a different perspective this year here in 2022. And I think Asheville is kind of uh, a good place for us to, to set that up and, and, and kind of lays the groundwork for the rest of the year. So that's my initial thought on the weekend. I love it. Anthony, I know you got some cool things to discuss when it comes to what we're noticing in these events and in the open. So what do you have to add? Yeah, I'll just uh, start with singles, and uh, Trey kind of started off with Matt Guy. So we we had said a few episodes ago, you know, the word cursed came out, and uh, so what he what he tends to do, right? He just steamrolls through these 
uh, brackets, and then he gets to the playoffs and he floors just enough in the finals to give up championships to hot baggers. So Noah Almanza got him in Cincinnati. Alex Hicks gets him in Virginia Beach. Renner gets him uh, this past weekend in Asheville. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know if cursed is the right word because he's when you get to these finals, the reality is, is it's anybody's game, right? Everybody's playing at their best. Anybody could win it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty crazy for Matt Guy. And speaking of Noel Monza, this dude has the most beautiful bag, I think, in the league. I was fortunate enough to see him throw live in Myrtle Beach. Uh, your open number three winner in singles. He took fifth in this event. If we talk about the cleanest technique in the league, you're talking about players like Kaylee Hunter, Derek King. I think uh, Jamie Graham has a real beautiful bag. Noah is in that discussion. I mean, he has just one of the cleanest, most beautiful bags you would see. Um, I thought great run by Jimmy room, Jimmy humans. Uh, I'm proud of this guy. I mean, the dude has been coming. It was just a matter of time for him to show up deep in a tournament. And he had his moment there. And then we got to mention Jordan power. I mean, what are we going to say? Right. Another second place. What is going on with this? <laughs> to Matt guy. To Another Matt second guy. place to Matt Guy. I yes. mean, that in itself. Like Jordan Power would pay money not to be in Matt Guy's bracket <laughs> at the next event. <laughs> promise you. He would pay money not to be in his bracket. Facts. I mean, if we look at open number one, second in singles, second in doubles. Open number three, second in singles, seven in, second in doubles. And then, <laughs> of course, what's going to happen at this pass open number five? The same thing. So, Man, I'm starting to feel bad for this guy, but his time's coming. I mean, you can't be second for that long before you actually win one, right? Um, you mentioned some of the West, you know, earlier with uh, with Gilbert and Thielen. I mean, I thought, I thought a solid run in singles by Brendan Valdivia, you know, really carrying the weight of the West on his shoulders over the past couple of years, along with Hadley and Zaft and Lopez and Parent. I mean, there's a list of solid rookies coming out this season that I think will help that cause kind of break the West out as a force within the league. So I, I just wanted to mention him. And then, yeah, what more can you say about Cheyenne Renner breaking history? I mean, it was it was an awesome moment. Um, I'm glad I got to see it live and not actually like in a, you know, like looking back on it, um, watching mm -hmm. it later. So I'm, I'm so proud of her and happy for her as well, too. Um, can we talk doubles, Meech? Yeah, we definitely can talk double. It looks like you're Jones and talk about doubles. Yeah, I want to talk about doubles. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get in your way. So, I mean, in doubles, I mean, uh, you know, just uh, Eric Anderson, I thought was fire coming out. And our boy, Ryan Smith, you know, he, he just had a bad day. I mean, if you look at it, yeah. you got Smith coming out with a 10-3-5. And then Ryan, I've never seen him. We talk about floors and ceilings, and I'll get in that a little bit later when we do a big picture. But Smith coming out with a 9.1 and a minus DPR. You're talking about a guy that easily could average 10s. We've seen him ceiling you know trey talks about ceilings and floors at 11 so for him to just have a, a whole doubles tournament down in the bottom nines almost into the eights you know just a bad day for him and that happens in your ceilings and yeah. floors tyler cobb jimmy humans to me another statement finish for them another run um taking third in doubles remember that they took second out at no open number three um they're going to be showing up again this next weekend um in in florida so I mean, if they have another good run, we got to start to talk about them as a top team in the league. I mean, to have three for three on those tournaments. Um, Graham and Jordan, they're not a committed pro partnership, but they show out again. I mean, taking fourth, they took second at the open number three. Um, Matt Guy and Brett Guy, also not committed partners, um, but another solid run for them. And what's interesting about them is 
this is going to be the last year of their contract, right? They're under a contract where at nationals, they have to play with separate partners. So I can't imagine a future where they don't reunite as partners. So Misha, I would expect them to team up after this season moving forward. And they're showing that they can do work in the open field and uh, in, in the nationals as well. So I'll be excited to see what they do moving forward. I agree. I think I, I I don't remember if I asked Brett or Matt which one, but I'm pretty sure that that will happen. Yeah, once they once they finish the contract out. Now, say, all right. So since you laid it out there, let's talk. Let's talk about it. Okay. So obviously, Matt and Brett, I think, want to play together, and so they they I think they slate to play that uh, together next season. So where does that leave Jamie Graham? Okay. Originally, everybody probably would have thought, uh, you know, you got a big solid four in fire cornhole, right? Jamie Graham will just play with Eric Davis. Well, I can tell you that's not going to happen. Yeah. Jamie Graham and Eric Davis do not play well together. They like each other off the off the courts. They do not like each other when they play together on the courts. They have two very different. They have two different approaches. They have two different play styles. They have two different bag choices. Just yep. not going to work. So, what does that mean? What does that? What does that leave for us? Well, Jamie Graham, I think, is sneakily playing top five, maybe even top three bags in the country right now. Um, if I were to rank who I thought my best players in the world were right now, it's Matt Guy, Cheyenne Renner, one, two, and I might put Jamie Graham at third. Um, that's how good I think Jamie Graham is playing right now. So the question is, who does he play with? And to me, this partnership with Jordan Power now over the course of multiple Opens it showed me something. It showed me, can we play together? Because there might be an opportunity. And again, this is way jumping the gun because Jordan Power has an entire season to play with Jay Rubin ahead of him. And we yeah. have no idea if that's even a partnership that will stick. But the fact that Jamie Graham, Brett Guy, and Matt Guy are getting paid good money by fire tells me that at least Jordan Power is seeing what is out there. Okay. Now, here's what leads me into this. I started watching this, and I watched the game between Jamie Graham and uh, Jordan Power against Eric Davis and Ashton Spies. Okay, we know how fiery Jordan Power is. Okay, and being there on site, I really got to see everything going on, not just in the confines of a live stream video. And if you were watching that game, it was tie. It was um, Jamie and Jordan were up twenty to four. And Ashton and Eric came all the way back to make it 20 to 20. Okay. But on the Ashton Spies had the first bag in the last round of the game and he threw it off the back of the board. Okay. And immediately Jordan power being Jordan power goes, let's go. He choked. We're going <laughs> to win. Let's do this. Okay. He yells it across to Jamie Graham. Because Jamie, so Ashton is across from okay, okay. Um, Jordan. He's not playing against him. So Jordan's trying to pep up Ashton. Well, immediately Ashton let Jordan know that he had a nice couple words for him. And Jordan <laughs> responded with, When was the last time you beat me in singles? And oh. so there was this. Right in the middle of the game, right when the and Jamie had to step back for a second and shake his head and say, "No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that." I hear from Jason McCannon in the crowd, from the crowd, yell at Jordan Power and go, "Easy now, Trevor. Easy now, Trevor." And of course, <laughs> that was a reference to Trevor Brooks. So right. now, Jamie Graham has come full circle. 
Okay. He, he is now playing back with how he started in the ACL with a player that was so good and so talented. But what you were worried about was the dynamic of can he play with someone that's so volatile, right? And he kind of had to be that role. And then you fast forward to the next game. And did you guys see how the next game, uh, what happened in the Wait, next game? Are you going to leave us hanging on what happened at the end of that? <laughs> oh, no. no, they, no. So Ashton threw the bag off the board. Jamie Graham finishes. They they win. Game yeah. game over. They advance. So, so he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. No, no. That's how it ended. The next game. Next game, it is tied late. Okay, well, actually, uh, Jamie and Jordan, Jamie Graham, Jordan Power are up big on Jimmy Humans and Tyler Cobb. Jimmy and Tyler start climbing their way back. They climb their way back. They climb their way back. Okay, so we get to the end of the game. Okay, and it's it is um, it is tied twenty to twenty again. So it's another barn burner of a match. Uh, Tyler Cobb on the opposite end. Tyler's throwing against Jordan. Tyler scores the last point to make it 20 to 20. Okay. And now it's, you know, big intensity. It's a lot of, you know, whatever. And so Jamie Graham to try to ice the situation, he calls, he says, I'm going to take a timeout. Well, it's not his throw, right? So Jimmy humans go, he can't call a timeout. It's not his throw. And me, being the only official on the court, I was like, yes, he is correct. You cannot take a timeout. So Jamie says, okay, whatever. Jimmy can go. Jimmy throws his first bag in the in the hole, and then Jamie Graham calls a timeout. And again, he's just trying to, you know, do the whole ice thing. He's trying to do the whole, you know, momentum shift timeout. So then he looks at me and he goes, how much time do I have? And I said, 60 seconds or whatever, whatever, 60, 90, whatever. I said, whatever the time limit was. And he goes, okay, tell me exactly how long I have time I have left. And so he walks over and he starts chatting with Jordan Power, chatting with Jordan Power. So I just let some time go. And with 20 seconds left, I said, okay, you're at 40 seconds. You got 20 seconds left. And he said, okay. So he starts walking back down to his end. Jamie does. This is Jamie again, Jamie Graham. And he goes, yeah. Wait, is it 20 seconds until I have to throw or 20 seconds until I have 20 seconds to throw after my timeout? And I said, technically, the timeout ends and you get another 20 seconds to designate your throw. So he says, oh, OK, I got plenty of time. He walks back down over to Jordan. Now, mind you, he has asked for his own shot clock. He has asked for his own shot clock. So then he's still in the middle of the lane like halfway up the lane. And I say, okay, your timeout's over. You have 20 seconds to throw. And he said, okay, whatever. So he goes and gets the bag and I expect him to take the bag and throw the bag. Right. That's not what happens. He takes the bag and he starts flipping it and he starts doing all this. And I'm counting in my head and I hit 10. And I go, you got 10 seconds. You got nine. You got eight. You got seven. He's <laughs> like, I got to throw. And I'm like, yes. And I go seven. And I stopped at five. To make sure I wasn't talking while he was throwing, he then rushes the throw and misses the bag to the right of the hole off the side. And then Jimmy Humans four bags him and oh. beats him in the last round. So obviously, Jamie Graham is not happy that an official was counting in his backswing, right? But at the same time, he called his own shot clock. <laughs> I, I have ne I have never seen a game end like that. And wow. I, I tell that entire story to say 
Jamie Graham and Jordan Power feel exactly like Jamie Graham and Trevor Brooks way back in the day. You put them on the boards, and talent for talent, they may be the best team in the entire tournament. But I have no idea what is going on up here, and I have no idea how that can even be dealt with as a team. But you know what? I would pay to watch them every (laughs) single tournament. I would pay to watch Jamie Graham and Jordan Power play together every step of the way, and it's just it's just going to be fun to watch. That's I mean, that's stuff. what we're here to do, right? Watch entertaining court. <laughs> <Cornhole. laughs> like, it's not a bad uh, thing. And then, and then to cap, cap it all off, we have a 12-year-old win that tournament. I mean, how great was this weekend as far as doubles go? I mean, it was just amazing. It's just wild. It's just wild. It, it was. And you bring up a good point. I mean, you didn't bring up this point specifically, but we we talk a lot about this point of these players with these super high ceilings. I know Anthony had a lot to add about this idea of ceilings and floors. Did you want to get into that, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. So just to kind of go with that big picture finish, uh, I just kind of don't want to make three points. So I just wanted to point out that we did have a pro sweep this open. And for those that don't know the tournament formats, your nationals are going to be an ACL pro event only. And then these opens are basically what it says. It's an open invitation to everyone, pros and amateurs. And we're seeing a bunch of talent this season in the amateur ranks. We saw Kobe Costanza winning in an open doubles uh, as an amateur and Lexi Hugeback winning uh, women's singles. So this open particularly, I just wanted to point it out that we did have a pro sweep. And then before we get into the ceilings and floors, and it kind of relates to that, tens win tournaments. I mean, the game is maturing to a level where it's going to take an average scoring round of 10 to win. You've got Cheyenne Renner in the opens with a 10.06 in bracket play, a 10.95 in the playoffs. She wins singles with a 10.39. Chucky Love wins seniors with a 10-1-2. And then the only one defying that was doubles with Birchfield having five hundreds under a 10. He had a 9-9-5. But I, I see the game trending. It's going to take a 10 to win tournaments. That's kind of where this game is going. But Real yeah, quick, I mean, you want to know the stat yeah, of the weekend? Stat of the weekend. You ready for this? Yeah. Matt Guy in the finals throws 59 of 60 bags in the hole at one point. And loses. I know. Sound familiar? He, he, he sounds very four, familiar. He threw he threw a few four baggers in a row. Then he threw a ten, and then he threw forty bags in the hole in a row, and he still lost. Unbelievable. That's that's insane. where this game is going. It's insane. It's like someone's getting out of reach for anyone else. Like there, there's people getting so good. It's pretty amazing. It's unbelievable. Um, I just, yeah, that's gotta be so frustrating for him. Oh, just so frustrating. <laughs> so frustrating. All right, I didn't mean to cut you off, Anthony. You keep going. Uh, no worries. Yeah, let's finish it off with, I just wanted to talk ceilings and floors. So uh, Trey talks about ceilings and floors, and it really got me thinking. I kind of wanted to to break that down. So wh- when we say ceiling, what are we talking about? We're talking about our individual game at its best in a tournament. Floors being, what was my worst performance in a game in a tournament? So you're basically seeing this sinusoidal curve or a roller coaster ride, if you will, of ups and downs, right? And if you talk about your elite baggers or your top 10% of the field, you see ceilings that blow our minds statistically. You just mentioned what we had with Matt Guy. You know, you see DPRs, one plus, 11 plus PPRs, 75% four baggers. These are your ceilings at an elite level. Now, for these elite level players, when we talk floors, we're talking very small variance from a ceiling to a floor where these players, even when they're flooring, they're still grinding out close wins and losses 
to elite level players. So that roller coaster ride varies slightly. It's like you peak and then you or you ceiling and then you and then you floor. So it's really really tight like this. Now, yeah. opposably, if we talk about our top fifty to one hundred players, they can ceiling like those elite baggers, but they have much lower floors. So instead of seeing these tight swings like this, you get these really big kind of roller coaster drops in in how their play is looking. Now. The big difference between this is these baggers are not going to squeak out those wins when they're flooring because when they floor, and I'll give you some examples coming up here, it's just their floor is so low that they're not they're not competitive at that elite level or at that upper level. So, and the majority of these baggers that I'm going to talk about are just like that. So if we look at the rounders play, so rounders for those who don't know, it's six matches. And it's a doubles format, and that's basically going to seed the entire tournament, your singles and doubles tournament. So kind of looking at that as our sample set, we had three ACL pro teams with some hype behind them, with some visibility around them that we expect great things that didn't qualify for tier one doubles. And it's going to be a lot of the ceiling and floor discussion, meaning they didn't have a winning record coming out of doubles. So Mason Morgante and Brennan Ballard, we're talking about elite level baggers. They could be elite. Three and three in rounders. They end up in tier two and they take third in tier two. They didn't even win it. So when we talk about ceilings and floors, they ceilinged at a nine, three, three and a 10. So meaning at their best that day, they were right around 10. And when we talk about that, you know, nationwide, I mean, there's baggers that will never, ever throw a 10 PPR in a match. So it's really good, but check out their floors. They needed to win. Game six to move on to tier one. They just needed one more win. They both averaged sevens in game six of of, of, uh, of rounders. Morgante with a negative 1.13. So there's an example of I'm up at 10, but I'm dipping as low as seven. So we're talking about a swing of seven or of three points, if you will. Let me move on to another example. Tegan Owens and Deborah Odom also go three and three, end up in tier two, take fifth in a tier two field. And we're talking about Deborah Odoms. Her ceiling is really high. She threw an 11 yeah. six in one of her matches on her floor. Yeah. 11 six. I, I, I only know like two or three baggers that have ever thrown 11 six in a game. I mean, that is unbelievable, but she floors at an eight one four. So here again, you have that three and a half point swing in her game. Her partner Owens ceilings at an eight, eight, but then floors at a 6-2-9 with a minus 7-1 DPR. Again, another swing of three points. Tubby Cobb and Tice Cobb. I mean, we expect a, these guys are coming in with a lot of, you know, a lot of visibility around them. Never expected to see them in a Tier 2 field, but they did end up taking seventh in Tier 2. Similar situation. They have to win Game 6 to get into Tier 2. They both throw a 7-6 PPR. So... Where guy these guys are able hitting tens, they throw a seven six, and I don't care how good your dirty style game is. You know you're the best blocker in the league. You know you've got a really good roll bag. If you're throwing sevens, you're not going to win. You're not going to win no. no matter how good your game is. <laughs> so let's compare that then to elite play. So that's what we saw with these baggers that ended up in tier two. What does an elite level player look like? What do those swings and floors look like? So I just grabbed two guys who ended up winning their brackets. Noah Almanza. He has a game-high ceiling of a 10-8. That's actually less than what we saw with Deborah, Deborah, right? She was able to ceiling higher. But what makes him elite and separates him from the rest of the field is he floored at a 9-2-4. So he went 10-8, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4, 9-2-4,
nine two four. His swing was only one and a half versus three, where you're going to have a much mm-hmm. bigger swing there. Matt Guy, we talked about how how you know how crazy he was in this tournament. He threw an eleven five seven in his ceiling. His floor a nine nine four. So he's almost <laughs> he's almost flooring <laughs> at a ten, which is insane. So again, most people ceiling. <laughs> yes, most people ceiling, and and that's what we'll see is, you know. You hear all these things like, oh, watch out for, you know, for this guy. He's going to be a deal. He beat this guy. Well, it's going to happen where an elite level player is going to floor at the moment someone ceilings and take a loss. But on average, on average, they're not going to squeak out wins as often. So, Mish, to kind of summarize this up, where I want to go with this is the difference between a top 20 bagger, and this is what we would call elite. You know, you're talking top 10%, top 10% of the field, even up to a 25 bagger versus a 50 to 100 bagger is you need that consistency, which is going to be less gaps in your ceilings and floors. You need those tighter one and a half point gaps between your best and your worst. And you simply cannot throw a seven in a match and expect to win. Again, it doesn't matter how good your dirty style game is. You throw sevens more often than not, you're going to lose. So ceilings and floors just kind of wanted to bring that one up there. That's it's really we couldn't have Mike. We couldn't have Mike this week. Anthony sat in for uh, for Mike yeah, this week perfect. on uh, <laughs> the Ion yeah, Corner this week. There's your statistics. It, it was perfect. And I have to say, I my I have not a big variance in my ceiling and floor. It's about one. It's between five and six. I'm staying right there, you guys. <laughs> yeah, no right big there. jumps either way. Consistency. <laughs> Super it. consistent, right there. So you know, good for me. That's what we all hope for. All right, let's move on. That's that's really interesting, though. I think I think we do need to consider about what those floors are. And I did notice quite a few people in that tier two that I was shocked that they were there. But it was those floors. But really cool stuff. All right, let's move on to news around the league. We had the Atlantic Conference event number one in advanced singles. James Baldwin took first, second, Mike Hoffman, and third, Michael Lewis and Berkeley Pair. For advanced doubles, James Baldwin, Berkeley Pair, Trey Turner, and Katim, I think is how you say that, Butler. And then uh, third, Matthew Stout and Jay Corley. So that was our only conference event that happened over the weekend. So good stuff there. But now we move on to buy or sell. (laughs) I like this first one. Uh, I don't know how you could possibly sell this one. I'm going to say that before I say even what it is. But Cheyenne Renner is the best female player of all time. Best female player of all time, Trey, by herself. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, before I answer, I'll just say this. I really, with this question, I think we really need to think about of all time, right? Everybody throws around the term goat like it's nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And, but you have oh, yeah. to think about someone who has come in with, is, is, and, and I it purposely wasn't phrased goat, I guess, because greatest of all time and best of all time might be different. Of all the female players that I've ever watched, and I've been in this game now for 12 years, have I ever seen someone like a Cheyenne Renner? Have I ever seen one, someone play to that level? And my answer is no. So I'm going to buy it. Um, I think she is the most talented. I had a conversation, and I'm going to take a second to talk about this too. Her play style is the most unique I've ever seen. Um, Nobody else in the world at the top pro level does it. And that is she will push through anything, no matter what it is. I I had my, I got my boards back here. I'm going to do a little diagram. Okay. If she puts a, if you put a bag here, she's going to push through it. If you put a bag here, 
she's going to push up to it and push everything closer to the hole. No matter what she does, she is going to bring her bag closest to the hole as she possibly can. And if you put something in front of her, she's not going to try to go over it. She's not going to block behind it. She's going to try to go through it. And the more bags that she can get in the hole, the more clean that she makes the board. And she knows that the cleaner she can make the board, the better opportunity that she has to win every single game that she plays in. So for me, absolutely the best player that we've ever seen in the world at the female side. It's actually the yeah. first thing I noticed about her, by the way, when I went to worlds, I was sitting behind her when she was playing in, in the championship. And that's the first thing that I'm like, I said, she, she just goes through anything. She doesn't care if your right. bag's there. She does not care. Doesn't phase her. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. And I think that was one of the reasons why she was able to beat Matt guy is he wasn't able to do that. So we kind of saw Cheyenne and I, whether she was doing it on purpose or not, she did end up short of that hole at a level one, a little bit more than her other matches against Matt Guy. It makes me think, was she intentionally trying to put a bag deep? And as we know with Matt Guy, and we'll see a bag in the, I, I got to try and figure out the logic behind it or how he's doing it, but you'll see a bag in the exact same position in multiple rounds. Sometimes he airmails over it and sometimes he'll try and push through. But when he was making those decisions on those level ones that Cheyenne was putting down, he would miss an airmail. Or when he tried to push through, he wasn't as clean as Cheyenne. He'd end up to the right or the left, and she was kind of scoring off some of those. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's what makes her good. But, yeah, back to the uh, the buy or sell. Um, you know, I guess one could argue that it's a little too early to take that position, but she's putting up unprecedented numbers and finishes, uh, not just – I've said this before – not just at a female uh, level, but just a player in general, male or female. She's a five-time national champ. I mean, who else is in that discussion um, we've got Papke, also a five-time national champ, but all of hers are on the double side only. And then Finley has six. All of hers are also on the doubles only. So the difference between those is Cheyenne coming in, winning on her own in singles, and just putting up numbers that no one's ever reached before in the female division. So I'm going to buy that one, Beach. I'm going to buy it. I knew it. All right. Yes. Second one. Matt Guy should be concerned that he has a string of second and third place finishes. Should he be concerned? <laughs> Buy or sell? Um, surprisingly, I'm actually going to sell it. I don't think I, – I, I mean, when you get that close, to me, sometimes it's a coin flip, okay? And I think right now Matt Guy's flipped the coin three times, and he's and he's lost three times in a row, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I'm going to pause on panic button just yet. Um, and, and if anything, he's playing unbelievable right now. I mean, he's truly is still playing unbelievable. He threw 40 in the row in the finals, right? I mean, I, I, I still can't believe that's that, that stat, but let's wait until we see him at a national before we have a reservation. Because for me, I know for a fact, if Matt says I'll lose every open, if it means I can win two nationals and mm -hmm. singles, I know that for a fact. So let's see how he does in February. Yeah, concerned might not be the right adjective. Annoyed. <laughs> he might be annoyed. Yeah. Frustrated. Buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm buying that one. Anthony, what do you think? Buy or sell? Yeah, I'm in line with that one as well. I'm selling. My, he, Matt does not need to be concerned about anything. He said it himself. He's throwing at max confidence right now. Um, if you look at the results, open number one, first in singles, third in doubles. Open number three, third in singles, first in doubles. Open number four, second in singles, fifth in doubles. Open number five, second in singles, second in doubles. No one's no one's finishing like Matt Guy right now. And like I said earlier, you get to a final four of a championship, that's beyond difficult. So that shows your level of play. But when you get there, everyone's 
playing at the best. So flip of the coin, like Trey said, if, if he's 0 for 3, then he might go three in a row. You know, it's easy that right. he could come out and just do the opposite. So nothing to worry about for Matt Guy. He's still on track to finish number one. Agreed. All right, number three, Noah Almanza finishes the season top 10 in pro singles by herself. Bold. Um, very bold. I'm going to say bye. So what I've seen so far, there are three (laughs) players that have earned their way into my top 10 that weren't there previously. Uh, Cheyenne Renner, obviously. Um, Number two is Jimmy Eumanns. And number three is Noah Almanza. Wow. Um, Noah Almanza has been special. He beat Josh Holland two times this weekend when Josh Holland did not lose to anybody else. Okay. Noah Almanza gave Cheyenne Renner a pretty good game. Um, He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He was up the center. He was hit the airmails. He, he was clutch. I mean, I, look, I, I, I told everybody let's pump the brakes on Noah Almanza when he won that first open and he nearly did it again. He won his bracket. He made it to the final four. I mean, for me, I can't tell people to pump the brakes anymore. I gotta buy it. If if he's gonna be if he's gonna be a top four player back to back times he plays in these events, why can't he do it at a national? Yeah, you make yeah makes sense to me. And looks like you're gonna sell it though, Anthony. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, um, I have to sell. I mean, so the skill is definitely there. And so for me, I'd like to see him perform in a pro only nationals before I buy that. I'd like to see him perform in order to be a top 10. You got to be able to perform under the cameras and the lights of a broadcast. Uh, I will say though, he wasn't, he wasn't on my top 25 radar to start the season, but he certainly is now, but who you look at that list of, you know, top even 15 and you throw an Almanza in there. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Who do you drop out of that? Uh, yeah. I can't buy that one yet, but uh, yeah, that's pretty bold, Trey. I love it though. I love it. Yeah, and because I, I, I partially I look at my list, and if I look at my list, you know, I had Alex Rawls in there. Alex Rawls is not playing anywhere close to top ten. To me, Josh Holland. How can I justify Josh Holland being in my top ten and not having Noah Almanza in there? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me right now, um, I just think he's 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 playing that way, um, and and he, and he's earned it, and. Um, he doesn't have the play style like someone like an Eric Davis where I'm, I expect a lot of volatility. Now, where I'm, where I could definitely be wrong is if he just can't handle a lot of pressure, right? That's right. that, you know, that ultimately could be the place where it falls apart. Yeah. I got to play him out in uh, Myrtle beach and super impressed with his game. Like you said, nothing crazy. He's a down the middle guy. Now he has all the shots. He can throw a max tilt and cut in if he wants to. He could even throw a roll bag if he wanted to, but he stays really consistent. You know, he's not doing anything high risk unless he's left with a shot and whatever he could do with those, with those ultra widows. But he's a gamer. Uh, He could certainly trend to a top 10. I'm just not ready to buy it yet. Yep. All right. In time, in time. All right. Jimmy Eubanks is a top five player in the world right now. Buy or sell? Um, It's phrased right now. I'll buy it. Um, if it was top five at the end of the season, I'd probably sell that, um, top five in the world right now, right? Matt guy, Cheyenne Renner, easy. I'm definitely throwing Jamie Graham in there. Um, Jimmy humans, uh, you know, I, I probably put in there. We didn't talk much about the, 
you know, do you put a James Baldwin in there? We haven't, we didn't talk much about the Atlantic conference, but at the same time, it's like, how scary is James Baldwin, Cheyenne Renner right now? I mean, James Baldwin <laughs> sweeping a conference, Cheyenne Renner. Terrifying. Like that's a terrifying <laughs> team to play right now. Right. Um, but, but ultimately I think right now, what I saw this weekend, I- I'm certainly buying it. He was, he was unbelievable, had all the shots and he developed a no hesitation airmail that, Maybe he had previously, but it wasn't nearly as consistent as what I saw this weekend, and I love it. I noticed that as well. Anthony, what do you think? Buy or sell? Uh, the dude's a shooter. Uh, he can certainly beat every player in the world right now. Um, I, you know what stuck in my mind, Trey, is I just saw a recent – I want to say it was a regional just like two weeks ago. And the list of names that you mentioned I agree with, but then you got to throw a Tony Smith in there. He played Tony Smith in the finals of whatever that regional was two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. I have not seen Tony Smith throw that good. And it was against Jimmy humans. I want to say the score was 21 zero. I mean, it, if anything, it was 21 two. So if, if I now add Tony Smith to that list, I got to put Tony ahead of Jimmy humans, Jimmy unions definitely trending up. I can't buy top five in the world right now. I'm going to sell. Let's go with your, uh, my, my counterpoint to that will be, let's go back to your floor or ceiling. To me, Tony Smith is one of these and Jimmy humans is one of these. In my opinion, a and Tony and Smith, a three. yeah, that that top for Tony Smith is is probably higher than the top for Jimmy Humans. But the problem is, I spend too much time in the other parts of that curve. My what? opinion. Yeah, but if Jimmy doesn't have a low floor, then how would he only score two points in a whole game? I mean, that that would have to be a pretty low. I mean, that's Man. crazy. So that's what's unique about Tony Smith's game is we, we, we talk about the dirty style game and, oh, these guys are going to win via DPR. They're not going to have a high PPR. Nope. A, oh, a yeah. hardball, a Tony Smith. These are dirty style baggers that you will see 11 plus PPRs out of these guys. I mean, they yeah. are so good. Because they clean, clean everything up. up. Yeah, they, they clean, clean everything, everything up. up. Yeah. <laughs> they're not leaving. They're not leaving, uh, uh, you know, Derek Wing's, Derek King's favorite quote. They're not leaving food on the table. They're, no. yeah, they're taking it with them. <laughs> And we can now add Alex Hicks to that list because he showed us in 47 rounds how he can clean up. Yeah. I mean, amazing. Last one, Corey Gilbert and Brevin Valdivia are the best players in the country west of Texas. Buy or sell? I feel like I'm buying everything. Have I sold any of these? Um, (laughs) Um, I think I sold the second one. Okay, but yeah, I'm buying this one. I mean, it's – well, the only one that would – you know, I changed my mind. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell okay. it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Now that I really thought about it, I'm not ready to put Corey Gilbert above Bill Hadley just yet. I think Bill Hadley has earned that earned that spot until someone takes it off of it. So it's, I initially bought it, but I'm selling it now. And it was really close, but um, very close. Anthony? Yeah, Trey went right where I was going to go. Uh, certainly these guys are help carrying the West. I mean, I mentioned Valdivia earlier, Gilbert, the eight, no coming out of the qualifier, but with Hadley and Zaft in that geography, I can't buy um, Zaft finished up the the last season, a top 50 bagger. I think he was like around 43 or so multiple broadcast appearances. He can show that he can compete under the pressure. Um, Hadley and Zaft, both national champions. So too early to buy that one. Um, I think Valdivia is right there though. He actually finished one position ahead of Zaft in the season ending, um, but he's missing that broadcast presence. So again, mm-hmm. when you get to that broadcast, it's like things can change. And, you know, are, are they the same bagger behind the camera as in front of the camera? So I'm going to sell that one. I'm gonna sell. All right. Fair enough. 
Let's move on to the preview of our next Open coming up this weekend, January 14th through 16th in Winter Haven, Florida. We've got a lot of big players coming uh, to this Open. I mean, this is a lot of cornhole back-to-back. I'm excited about it. I, I am not complaining at all. What are your uh, big-picture thoughts about this Winter Haven Open, Trey? I think for me, big picture, this is going to be, um, you know, another Asheville. It's another prep opportunity for some of these pros getting into that first national of the year next year. I mean, next month. So for for this, that's what I'm looking for. That's my focus. Um, I'm really excited to see how they how they deliver on the big stage um, of getting prepped and ready. So for me, I got a couple people I got my eye on. Um, mostly doubles teams, actually. Um, the first is, uh, and I mentioned these on ACL Live last night, but, um, you know, the first is Caleb Batson and Eddie Grindersleeve. Everything that I've been hearing out of the Southwest Conference has been about Caleb Franklin and the Foremans and A.J. Sims. And it's like, guys, where have Caleb, where have Batson and Grindersleeve been? What have they been doing? Mm-hmm. They just been like letting other people win? Are they not playing? Or like, what's, what's the deal? So... This is an opportunity for them to reassert their dominance. Um, another one that I'm interested, uh, Miranda Coy and Trevor Caballero. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, Miranda Coy is uh, becoming one of my favorite uh, uh, females in the female division, uh, in the women's division, but she's 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 got all the different shots, and Trevor Caballero is always going to draw eyes on, on, on him. Um, and then what hometown players are going to play well? Tanner Halbert, Kyle Malone, the Rule Brothers, right? Yes. Are any of those four going to have a, a particularly good showing because they're really close to the area, right? And and this is really a tune-up opportunity. They genuinely, generally have played well in Florida, so look at they can translate over that over, that, over into a, a victory this coming weekend. Nice. What do you think, Anthony? Yeah, with back-to-back weekends, I mean, let's go. I, I think this is going to only happen two other times, Trey, where we get back-to-back weekends of open. So, yeah, this roster is hot off the press here. Just kind of looking at you mentioned Batson. I mean, Texas in the house. We're going to get Batson, Grindersleeve, Sims, Gross. Excited to see them in an open format. And then Chavez and Sanchez uh, made a bunch of noise uh, at Worlds with deep runs. Um, what, what I'm interested to see with Batson and Grindersleeve is, and I think you said it was last week, Trey, or a couple weeks ago, when you were looking at the results for Grit, you said you had to scroll. You had to scroll to find out where, where Grit was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're talking about a top five doubles teams out of the pro division last season. So a lot of expectations out of the guys. And, and I think it was Sims and Gross that ended up winning that tournament with Batson and Grindersleeve in the field. So really excited to see how the Texas side of that shakes out. Um, another interesting matchup. Graham and Guy are coming back together. So, yes. right, our, our reigning number one ranked doubles teams who've been playing with separate partners. I mean, we have to put them at the top of the list. One, the, uh, ended up with ranked number one in the uh, doubles division in pros last season. So, definitely going to keep an eye on those. We mentioned Cobb and Humans early. If they make another deep run, that's three in a row. We have to start talking about them as a top, top 10, if not a top five team uh, in the league. My favorite, I think, here. Mentioned the two names earlier, Tony Smith and Devin Harbaugh. Yep. I love this one, Trey and Mish, just, just as a fan of the mm-hmm. defensive-minded style play. Um, I mean, I think we should get something good out of those guys. And we're talking about players that force other players out of their norm. 
You know, they're going to they're going to force you out of whole shots. They're going to force you to step out. They're going to force you to have to think about shots more and less repetitive. So I think that they could jack up the bracket for sure. I'm going to say. Go ahead, Trey. Okay, uh, the uh, Tony Smith and Devin Harbaugh. That's what I call a pay per view, pay per view team. Yes, because people yeah. would pay to watch them play. Yeah, that's kind of what I was gonna say. Oh, I wish there was a way that we could incentivize or make it so more of those kinds of matches happen. Because when we look at the elite ones, it's always just the slide game down the middle. Like, I mean, tends to be at least. Right. I, but I prefer that other kind of style game. But I know that's probably not what's going to happen once you get to the top of the brackets. But I wish there was some way we could force it to happen <laughs> for our sake, totally selfishly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's uh, I, I, I love those type of teams. And maybe, you know, we, we might see something like that with teams, right? We might see some pairings yes. of some players that have similar play styles but have never played together. I mean, just this might be might be an opportunity. Oh, I'm excited for it. All right. It's time for our, our holy hot takes. You got your hot take ready, Trey? I got it. Um, okay. For me, this I one, I have, time. yeah, I have been hating and hating on Tyler Cobb. So this is for you, Mr. Tyler Cobb. Jimmy Humans and Tyler Cobb finished the season in the top five of doubles. Nice. Finish the season. Top five. Okay. Hot All right. take. Love it. Major love. Major love coming your way, Cobb. There you go. What about you, Anthony? Yes. Uh, I'm going to go on to the open this coming up. Kind of kind of uh, foreshadowed what I was going to go with. Tony Smith and Devin Harbaugh in the doubles finals at number six in Winter Haven. I'm, I'm feeling it. I feel like it's going to happen. All right. All right. And mine is Matt Guy's going to gonna take the win this weekend. He's, he oh, it. that's He's a good take. <laughs> yeah. Boo. <laughs> hey, I took the crazy hot take last week. Yeah, we okay. She can one. she can be a little bit more of a lukewarm this week, considering <laughs> she was so good last week. Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. so smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all we got. We will see you guys next week. Enjoy the all the cornhole coming up this weekend in Florida, and we'll see you next time.